God is so faithful. Uh, uh, let me share something tonight. Um, turn to Second Peter, chapter one, and and we'll we'll go there in a moment. But um, so we can see based on sequences of events according to what's written in this book that quote unquote we're living in the last days and you know um i know with with uh courtney's parents and her mom uh i think courtney grew up in probably a little bit more of a christian home than i did actually i know she did uh, my, but my, my parents tried, you know, my parents were, uh, divorced when I was younger, but I mean, here we are now. So everything turned out all right, but you know, she grew up in a very steady environment and, um, just being around her family for the past, it's going on 18 years. I just remember certain conversations over the years that mom would say that, well, we, we live like. We thought Jesus was coming back when, when her mom was saying that. Her mom's mom was saying that, you know. And so, you know, it's like, well, what, what were they seeing that would put them at that place where they say, oh, he, he, the Lord's coming back. And sure, they were seeing a lot of stuff. I mean, think about the civil rights movement in the 60s and all that stuff. And, the, you know, the tension between races and the things that we read in the Scripture. Uh, However, there's one factor that uh, we can look at that says, like, okay, there was some things that weren't possible then that now are possible. And that is everybody on the planet can see the same thing at the same time. And so I, I can remember uh, John Hagee talking about his grandfather preaching in the 1920s about how there would be these two prophets preaching and that the whole world would see him at the same time and everybody thought he was mad. No, that's, not, that's impossible. Well, in 1920 it was, but it was in the Bible, so he preached it. And if you know anything about John Hagee, he's the same type of teacher. But now we know how it's going to work. Everybody can, can be anywhere, and even if you don't have one of these little computers on you and seeing what's going on, I'm sure somebody within five feet of you has one and you could be like, what's going on? And everybody in the whole world, I mean, I can remember when 9-11 happened, I was in college wasting money and time because I was, seriously, because I was, you know, yeah, I was, man, they, they tried to institutionalize me and I was like, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to Bible school. No. Um, anyway, but I can remember going on to the campus and they had TVs everywhere and all they kept showing was what happened that day. Sure. It's nuts, right? Technology. I mean, the setup for the world to be connected, globally connected. That's, that's a major deciding factor that's like all prophecies been fulfilled. And here we are. And this morning I talked about harvest. Uh, every 
um, every ear should should hear the gospel preached and have an opportunity to receive Jesus. And so that's the position of the body of Christ is to uh, do the works of Jesus, preach the gospel with demonstration and uh, give people an opportunity. You know, in the book of Acts, Philip the evangelist, he wasn't called the evangelist in Acts chapter 8, but he was an evangelist. In Acts chapter 21, it actually identifies him as an evangelist. But he was, he, he was preaching, and there were miracles and healings happening. And people were hearing, and they came seeing. And, and hearing the miracles and healings that were taking place, and they were getting born again. That is a draw to people. What's that draw? The draw is that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He lives on the inside of us. He'll quicken our mortal bodies. Not only that, but that power resides on the inside of those who believe, and those signs should follow believers. But if you're never seeing demonstration, if you're never in the presence of God, if you're just always sitting in a dry place where it's like, you know, we do this, we do this, we just do, you, you know, there's this, <laughs> there's the, the church growth movement that has been going on for a long time. And it's like, let's franchise it and figure out how to do church where we sort of ask the people what they want. We ask the sheep where they want to eat, and they're like, eh, I don't know. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was a bad, whatever, dad joke. But the point is this, like, sheep don't know. That's why there's a shepherd. Jesus looked amongst the crowd, and he was moved with compassion because the people were scattered as sheep without a shepherd and it bothered him now this was when he was walking the planet but when he uh, when he was resurrected when he was raised from the dead uh, the power of God raised him from the dead he made a show of the enemy openly in the spirit realm. I, I, I can't wait. I, I hope that we can all watch that at a drive-in theater in heaven. Just like, man, what was he doing? What were they doing? You know? But he made a show of them openly. He got the keys of the kingdom back. And that's why he was able to say, all authority has been given unto me uh, on earth and in heaven. And I'm giving you that authority. Right. So, so, but the authority given was the Holy Spirit coming, the promise of the Father, that we would be endued with power to do the same things. But if there's never any demonstration, and so all of a sudden, church in the last decades has become this thing. And it's like, uh, it's, it's like when you go into Chipotle, you know. You're either doing a bowl or a burrito or, or a salad, if you're lame. But anyway, 
a bowl or a burrito. And then you know that you're going to have to choose, like, do I, what beans do I want? Do I want veggies? Do I want this? Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's only a few choices. Right. And it's, you, you know, this is sort of what the church has kind of become like. Sure. You're going to come in, okay? You're going to get a greeting. You, you want the burrito? You're going to get a greeting. You want some veggies? Boom, we're doing some worship. We're doing 50. We're going to give a message. Boom, we're going to give an altar card. Boom, boom, out, done. It's like Chipotle. It's just in and out. Boom, done. No time. No room for the gifts of the Spirit. At least my parents took, my mom took me to a Baptist church. And then when I was with my dad, he took me to a Pentecostal church one week at the Baptist church. I'm like, I'm not making it. <laughs> the, then I'd go to the Pentecostal church and I'm like, what is going on? This is fascinating. This is amazing. God's pretty cool. Next week, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it. I had the best of both worlds. Because I learned, to, I learned that there was this honor, reverential fear. And on the other hand, I learned that God is a powerful God, and there's gifts. And you would see him in operation. And even though I didn't understand it, at least what I was exposed to was the presence of God. It, I didn't know what emotion and intellect was when I was 8, 9, 10, 12, 14 years old. But I did know, I didn't know what the anointing was. But I knew when it was. Just didn't know what it was. Now I know what it is and the presence and the difference between the presence and the anointing. And, you know, when God comes upon you, or when you're just basking in his, his goodness. And, you know, I describe it like this. When you're in the presence of God, you're just, you're just, oh. You're just in awe of him. And, and the anointing of God is much like the presence of God, but it has a little bit more oomph. Where you're like, oh, something's here. This isn't just for me to bask. Somebody needs something. You see, you see what I'm saying? It comes with a little bit of more. It's just power on top of the presence. And so I'm, th I'm thankful for that. But it's like, mm, 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 done. Well, we got everything done today. Man, we killed it. Who's killing anything? I don't like that saying. Bro, great message. You killed it. I killed the church. Really? At least you could be like, hey, man, you really lived it up today. People get, got some life. Just, the, just some of the phrases that we use. It's like so like, yeah. I don't know if I want to kill anybody in the church or kill the message of the word. You kill, I killed the message? It wasn't that good? I, I, it's just, just these cliche things where it's like well, we're trying to like culturalize things. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm splitting hairs, but that's me. I, I'm just old school. I'm like, man, call it what it is. And don't try to act like, don't try to be Hollywood. It's weird. Like, be the church. We're supposed to be weird. We think they're weird. We're trying to get them converted. They're trying to convert us, and it's like, who's going to win? The church. Because when push comes to shove, when someone's sick, who's got the answer? When someone's so depressed they don't want to do it, they, they, they don't want to get out of bed anymore, who's got the answer? 
you're going to call the Hollywood director over and just be like, you want to film my last couple of breaths? At least we can get this, di you know, get this on film and documented. Nobody wants that when you're sick. But man, they want the man of God or the woman of God that knows how to pray, that carries the power of God. Can you ask that guy? Can you ask that woman that, that I've heard about that prays for people and they're well? Can you ask them to come visit me at my house? We need to become people where the, you're not calling people for prayer. They're calling you for prayer. There's a turnover. And that's part of a growth thing. That's, that, that's part of, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> Literally, you killed it almost. <laughs> um, I heard this story. We need to be checking in on ourselves. Where are we? You know, so God's wrath is not going to come upon his people. We are not, uh, we, we, we are not subject to God's wrath. Actually, nobody on the planet is right now. And a lot of times you hear the word vengeance is the Lord's. The better term there, because God... Okay, God, vengeance is like, mm, but that's not towards people. That, that, that vengeance, I would look at that more like that's towards the fallen ones. Um, thank you. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, heavenly places. Uh, that, I think the better word there is justice is the Lord's. And so there, there's that balance. And so when, when you're before the Lord and here's his standard, and then you get on that scale, where does it go? Does the standard, uh, does, does the standard carry you because you're, you're living according to his word? Or does the standard... Uh, bring you up before him and it's like you got to face him because wow. mm. it's outweighing yeah. anything that you're doing when you know what follows us into eternity works mm. so those works sort of balance out the standard you, it should be like whoa we we really measured up and it's not for our glory no, it's, not. it's it's that's god's justice he expects a return on his investment. His investment was Jesus Christ. His blood shed for every human being. And then when you accept that that is the way to salvation, there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Once you receive salvation through that confession, believing in your heart, then that discipleship takes place. And then the growing takes place. And then the power comes. And, then, and you're working. And there's works that you do. But you don't work for the place of righteousness. You work from the place of righteousness. You do it because you love God and you love His ways. And He's asked you to do something for Him. There are certain things that believers... It's like if somebody was a very generous person and they had a lot of money 
and they had the gift of giving. I imagine that these people walk around and when they see needs, it's like, hey, I can help you out. Right? Hey, I want to help you out. Hey, I'm going to help you out. That's a good deed. And that's righteous. Well, as believers, there's certain things that should be following believers. Are you sick right now? Is that a cough? Oh, it's just your allergies? Eh, I, don't, I don't like allergies either. Come here, let me pray for you. In the name of Jesus. And it should lift. You know? Um, the, the, these, what the Bible says, signs, they're to be normal. People should be hearing about this. The, the, these, the, the, the Bible describes it as the, uh, the Holy Spirit and fire. John came baptizing in water, but there's one coming after me that's mightier than I, yeah. that I'm not even worthy to bend down and unstrap the sandal, his sandal uh, strap. And he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the spirit and fire. What does fire do? Fire, it, it consumes and it refines. It, it, it consumes the stuff you don't need, the bad stuff. And it refines the goodness of God in you. You walk around with that firepower. That, people should see that fire on us. Or they should at least experience it. When my dad was 19, he went to a Brother Hagen meeting. I was, wasn't even a thought. But he told me that... Uh, I'm so thankful for guys that walk the walk, man. That we can lean into. You know, and then you have guys like Brother Keith that was around him and can attest to certain things. And, you know, and, and you can look at the model of Brother Keith's life and, and, and Patsy, who Courtney got the opportunity to work with her for like six years. And just when you hear certain things, it's amazing. Because you can always draw on those stories, and um, they don't die out. They keep going on. My dad went to a Brother Hagen meeting. He was having a back problem. He said that when he, he went up in the healing line, and he said that he remembered Brother Hagen put his hands on him, and he said he just remembers his hands were soft, but it felt like they were two irons. That's how hot it was, and it just, boom, just, just that firepower just sent him flying. He said it was so, his hands were so hot. I was like, did it, did it actually like burn your shirt or anything? I'm kidding. Bad timing. But the, the but those those things, those things, they, they should never die out. Well, where do you learn those things? If they're not in the church, the gathering together, the, the fivefold offices, when we gather together, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he said that he gave those gifts unto men. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So your, your men answer a call, women answer a call and say, I will not only be responsible to do the work, but I'll be, I will take on 
that responsibility to serve others and teach others the same. Do you understand that? So I'm, I, I, I'm thankful for that. But where do you get that training? What's the gathering together? Right. It's the assembling together. Right. When, when Peter and John were threatened and arrested and they said, well, a notable miracle had taken place here. I mean, the guy's over 40 years old. We all know who he is. He's healed. What are we going to do? They just slapped him on the wrist. You want to know why? Because there was a bunch of baby Christians that were just converted, and they were afraid that they were going to have a riot. So they said, stop doing that. And they said, eh, you be the judge if we should listen to you or God, but we were not going to stop and do it. They didn't go and pray for those guys to be removed. You know what they did? They went and prayed and said, Lord, grant us even more boldness to preach this gospel as we ought to preach. And he went back out. The, um, I, I see so much division in the quote-unquote body of Christ. Okay, If you look at the church of Acts, who had the problem with the apostles and the disciples and the early church? It was, it was the church. It was the religious leaders of the day. They loved their position. They weren't accounting Jesus as the Messiah. And they didn't want things to change. Why? Because they loved them some them. They didn't want to lose their spot. And they're like, who are these guys? Un un uneducated, untrained men. But man, they've been with Jesus. Stop preaching in his name, man. You're taking our, our, our place. And so you can kind of see in the church, and, and see, there, there is a falling away, the Bible says, of the church. There is going to be a section of believers church that fall away from the true faith. Jesus talked about it. They're going to leave. Uh, the love of many is going to go cold because of lawlessness. That's sin. And so that big division has already been taken place. Um, there are people that are going and moving towards uh, social, cultural justice. And then there's the church of Jesus that is kingdom justice. Just selfless. Jesus said, you're always going to have the poor with you. And there is a duty that we have toward them. But he, he did not say that we are to fix their problem. He said, help them. You can't fix their problem. They have to hear and hear. And then what happens? Faith comes. Maybe they'll see some demonstration if you're, if you're going to operate with the power of the Spirit, which we all should be able to demonstrate. That's what, peop that, that's what pulls people up and out. I mean, that's why people believed on Jesus. That's why the people, when they heard and saw the things that Philip was doing, that they believed. The, uh, the woman at the well. 
She went back to her town and said, come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. And they came out. You do realize that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it describes Jesus. And it says that there was nothing about him that would make men be drawn to him. No comeliness about him. That he was, he was just a regular-looking man. It's no uh, Marlon Brando. He, he wasn't Sean Connery back in the James Bond days where everybody would be like, wow, this guy's so cool. No, but do you know what, what attracted people to Jesus? His love walk? And the things that he did for people on a continual basis, he didn't change. He was steady. And he taught others to, to do the same. And, and, and it's still happening. Are you in Second Peter? There is a story I heard about uh, this young man. He was 15 years old, and he, he was working at Pizza Hut. And he would just take the pizzas from the kitchen, and he would take it out to the tables. He would, that's what he did. He'd just run back and forth, and he would make a couple bucks a night or whatever. And um, one night, he was at another Pizza Hut that was like a couple towns over, he called his employer, the other Pizza Hut, and he said, hey, um, are, you, are you guys in need of uh, you know, a pizza runner? And the manager said, no, we, we don't need anybody. We, we have somebody. He says, are you happy with him? Or I mean, are you, are you sure? No, we're, we're happy with him. He does a good job. Yeah, we're good. He's like, okay, so you don't need anybody. I'm, I'm you know. No, we're, we're happy with who we got. We don't, we don't need to hire anybody right now. And he's like, okay, thanks. Well, the manager of that Pizza Hut knew that he worked for that other one. He said, why did you just do that? You're trying to find another job? And he goes, nope. I was just checking on myself. I wanted to know the, if I was doing a good job. We need to do that with the Lord. Lord, am I doing a good job? You know, check in. The Holy Spirit will let you know. And it's, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. But if we override convictions, if we cut corners, see this, this young boy, he, he wasn't cutting any corners. He was doing what was right by his employer. He wasn't like, hey, I'll grab that, I'll grab that pizza in a moment. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, probably because they didn't have cell phones when he was doing it. But you know what I mean. Wasn't he wasn't talking to his girlfriend who was there visiting in a booth. Oh, I got to get a few pizzas. Well, hold on. No. He was working. And he was doing a good job. And they liked him. His manager liked him. So much so that he didn't even entertain the thought. No, we got somebody. We're good. Nope, not hiring. Don't need nobody. Nope, we like the guy that we got. All right, thanks. Lord, am I doing a good job? Show me. Is there anything that I need to A lot of times we look at what other people need to change. That's not going to help increase your anointing. It's not going to help increase your call. All it's going to do is make you look around and be critical right. of what you think others should be doing. In the meantime, you're missing the whole point. Because chances are those things that you are critiquing, you're supposed to be helping and not tearing down.
I've used this example. If, if a red blood cell said, I want to be a white blood cell, because the white blood cells, they always get to fight. And all I do is carry oxygen. You know, we, you, we can do that. We can look at other people's gift sets and be like, oh, I, I wish I could do that. Right. And you don't embrace what you're actually really good at. And people tend to like, what you're good at, people are like, eh, I don't really want to do that. I want to do something that I'm not really good at. <laughs> so that I can get embarrassed eventually. And It's weird how we are as human beings. Right. We admire other people's gifts and then we don't realize like, that's from the Lord anyway. And the thing that you have is too. But imagine this, like, oh, I, I, I want to be a white blood cell. Well, if the red blood cells stop carrying the oxygen, the white blood cells aren't doing anything anyway. They've got to carry the oxygen. You have one of the most important jobs, red blood cell. Line up. You know what I mean? So the things that we look at, we're supposed to be in partnership with. That's a body fully functioning together. Embrace the thing that the Lord has equipped you to do and, and do it better than anybody. Find the people that are the best at it and see what they're doing. Instead, we tend to kind of like look away from those things and be like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. And, you know, no, 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 we should draw on each other. We should draw on the, on the things that we don't have and we should draw on the things where people are already doing it better than we're doing it. How did you get there? I want to know. Oh, why do you want to know? Well, be, because I've experienced some of the stuff that you're doing, and it, it's like it makes sense to me. But you know what has happened in the body of Christ? A lot of people that have kind of been set in their ways, and God's using them, and they're plowing through. There's no Elijahs to Elishas much. And we need that. There's... The, there, there's there's, uh, there's not a lot of fathers. There are in the faith, but they're busy. And so the Bible says in, uh, and I can't think of the reference, but the Bible says that children carry the kindling, the wood, but the fathers have the fire. And so there's a lot of fathers that, are, that don't have fire. And there's a lot of young men and women that are carrying this kindling that they, that they need lit on fire. And they're looking for fathers. But the fathers are too busy. They're not carrying fire because they got caught up in the program. They got caught up in the franchising. They got caught up in our brand. No, no, no. You have a job to do, and it's to raise up children. You got to pass the torch. You need to light that guy. You need to light that young woman on fire because you have it, or at least you're supposed to. There's a lot of fire. There's a lot of fathers that, that aren't carrying the fire anymore. And I, I'm not trying to be critical. But man, there is something taking place in this planet, and it has been going on, where I have to believe that some of these guys that I'm like, I, 
And I'm not naming any names, but I, I've seen some guys sort of change, and I'm like, man, what's going on? And it's almost like, where's the fire? And so when you dabble around with that, you, you, you start to turn towards substituting the gold for brass, so to speak, yep. right? Yep. And then when you do that, you're only kidding yourself. And when you start to stop being honest with yourself, what happens? You open yourself up for deceit. Well, how could people possibly be deceived when they're walking with the Lord and they've experienced certain things? And Because well, they get on their own agenda. And I think the biggest component of this is that when a church, a body, a local body starts to grow, instead of positioning and keeping that fire and starting to light those young ones on fire, they sort of withhold a little bit and they try to hold on too long and they lose fire. And so then the, the other ones get frustrated and they're like, they, they get upset and they dip out. They scatter around. They wander around. What's going on? Um, but I, I have to believe that a lot of anointed men and women of God that seemed like they changed a little bit, that they're coming back. That that, that, that fire is going to be relit. And then they're going to see certain things and be like, wow, I was in this place. And man, I used to have that zeal. Like, open your eyes. There is a generation that is looking for the fire of God. And you had it. You just put it down to a pilot light. Fire that thing back up. Lay your hands on young ones and get them going. Um, In Noah's day. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. Now, why? What kept? What kept the whole known world at that time from getting on the ark? Well, they didn't. They wouldn't believe. They were fulfilling the passions and desires of their own lustful nature. Now, that didn't just happen because God said, I will not strive for man forever. I'm giving them 120 years. It took 100 years to build the ark. There's another 20. Noah preached. But at the end of it all, because he, he still gave them time to respond. But they didn't. Why? Well, because it had never rained before, and they thought Noah was cuckoo. Hey, uh, I've never seen the rapture happen before, but I believe it's coming. I I know I've heard of the catching away of the church, the removal of the church, and then that seven-year tribulation. I've heard of it, and I can see it in the Scripture. I've never personally experienced it before. It's never happened before. And just like in the days of Noah, oh, it's never rained. They mocked him. What are you talking about? Flood, this and that. You don't even make sense, old man, right? But the Lord gave a timeline. And then all of a sudden, 
Once that door shut, that was it. It was settled. They didn't make it. But see, Noah was righteous, and he rescued the righteous through the ark, and it lifted them above death. And so the same way, when Jesus comes in the cloud, we are going to meet him in the air. We're going to be lifted up from the wrath that's to come because we're not appointed under wrath. What is keeping people from doing the work of Jesus right now? Noah was doing it. I will assume that his sons were compliant and that they had good wives. Do you know what I often think about? What, what about their in-laws? They didn't get on the boat. Where were the parents of the women? Interesting thought, isn't it? I told you not to marry that boy. His parents are crazy. You're no fun anymore. I wonder if they had any siblings. You never come hang out anymore. Yeah, I can't fellowship with that. <laughs> the Lord's going to rain down and everybody's going to die. Oh my gosh, you're so annoying. You know what I mean? We've all heard it. Well, maybe not all. I've heard it when you get extreme. But it's not extreme. It's Bible. Just like Noah was extreme, guess what? As in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. We should look a little bit extreme. Now, I'm not talking like extremists, you know, like just Bible thumping and pounding everybody. But what I do mean is that when we say things that we are thoroughly convinced by our spirit, man, according to what's written in this Bible, hey, I, I know that you don't understand it, but I'm telling you. Do you know what would really help with that witness? The fire of the Holy Spirit working in your life yeah. to do the same works of Jesus because that's what brought the crowds to Philip's meetings. And it wasn't because he was an evangelist, because signs don't follow evangelists. Now they will, but these signs shall follow those who believe. And that's what he was doing. There were miracles being worked and healings taking place. And so people believed on Jesus. This is what Peter said in... Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. Actually, I'm going to read it out of... Uh, I'm going to read it out of uh, the Amplified Classic. Okay. Listen to what he says, okay? I'm going to start in... Uh, verse 16. Chapter 2. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. For we were not following cleverly devised stories when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty, grandeur, authority of sovereign power. Now, I don't like that word sovereign, but we'll take it for now. Uh, for when... I'll tell you why I don't like the word sovereign. It's not in the original manuscripts. Uh, 
and it makes it seem like God will just do whatever he wants to do. So let's just settle the account right now. God is sovereign to one thing, his word. He can't go against his word. So when people are like, God is sovereign, he'll, you know, he'll do some, he'll do, he won't do this for some. And this. No, that makes him partial. No, he can't go against his word. So if he's sovereign, that means that that would put him in a place to actually be partial to some people. He is a sovereign God to one thing, fulfilling his word, because he exalted his word even above his name. He is his word. It goes on, it says, For when he was invested with honor and glory from God the Father, and a voice was born to him by the splendid majestic glory in the bright cloud that overshadowed him, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased and delight. This is when he was being baptized in the Jordan River. He came up, the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he started his ministry. But the voice from heaven, they heard it. People heard it. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and delight. We actually heard this voice born out of heaven, for we were together with him on the holy mountain. I'm sorry, that was another case. This is when he was, uh, when, they, when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with him, Mount Sinai, and he said, this is my beloved son. Hear him, right? And he wanted to rule the tab- tabernacles. Anyways, it goes on and says this. And this is the kicker, though, right here. And we have the prophetic word made firmer still. You will do well to pay close attention to it as a lamp shining in a dismal, squalid, and dark place until the day breaks through the gloom and the morning star rises coming into being in your hearts. What's he talking about? Now, right before the sun rises, the morning star comes up first. And that's an indicator that the sun is about to rise. And so what Peter's talking about in here, and I'll just sum it up. He's saying... Even though we walked with Jesus, eyewitnesses heard God talk about him, we walked with him. There's a more sure word by having this written word. Because he said, we have the books of the prophet, and it's firmer than even being somebody that was an eyewitness. Well... Does that really make sense? I mean, they walked with Jesus. Well, what about the guy, the rich man, and then uh, the, the beggar with sores? They died. And he said, he, he called over and he said, Father Abraham, send, send him back that he tell my brothers about this place. He was in torment. He didn't, want, he didn't want his family members to go to hell. He said, could you please just have somebody dip their finger in water and touch my tongue? And you know what Father Abraham said? Hey, there's a, first of all, 
First of all, uh, there's a gulf between us. Nobody's going anywhere. But second of all, uh, they have the books of the prophets of Moses. And if they won't listen to that, they're not going to believe, even if somebody come back from the dead. It's the same point. That's what Peter's saying. Saying, uh, it doesn't matter if you eyewitnessed or not. You believe the book. This trumps everything. Well, why? Why did God set it up that way? Well, uh, because he poured out his spirit to witness to our heart. Courtney had an amazing revelation like two weeks ago. She was teaching on Mother's Day weekend. And, um, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that eternity is written on the hearts of mankind. And then she was in Jeremiah, and it just popped out of her. Did you know eternity is written on the hearts of mankind? Believer or non-believer, it's there. People have a knowing. Now, they can deny it, push it down, try to figure things out. They can get in their head and eventually believe that and stay there. But it's there at some point in their heart. But the Word of God is written in the hearts of believers. Eternity is written in the hearts of mankind. You make a choice of where you're going to go to eternity. Once you make that choice, if you become a believer, guess what? You get the Word of God written on your heart. Because if you don't receive Jesus, you're not alive unto uh, God. Your spirit has not been regenerated, born again. So you, you can't know what God is saying until you believe and confess. Then you become a brand new creation. And that's when the process of knowing Oh, I got it here. How do I know this is God? Right here. And that's what Peter was talking about. He said we have a more sure witness than somebody that even walked with Jesus. You know, when we were living in Colorado, this is amazing. Uh, I was driving and I was running to like the post office or something. And there was this uh, outback. Seems like you either have like a Toyota, a Jeep, an Outback, yeah. or a big truck in Colorado. That's all people drive. There's other stuff, but that, that's what you notice. But it was like an older style out, Outback, and it was really good shape. Well, we were kind of like on an incline hill, and I mean, I wasn't too close to the guy, but um, when it was his turn to go, it's like a we were on a stop sign this way, stop sign this way, traffic can go this way. It wasn't even a busy place. But it was his turn to go. And he started to roll back. And he rolled back into the Jeep. And so I was like, oh, man. Right when it happened, the FedEx driver that I made friends with when we first moved in, because we had ordered some stuff to come to the house we were renting, he was driving by, and I didn't know it, but then he came back, and he's like, he pulled up beside me, he's like, hey, because he recognized my Jeep, and he said, hey, man, 
you good? I was like, yeah. He was like, man. He's like, I know. I just saw the whole thing. I was driving that way. I saw him roll back into you, man. Um, I was like, you saw it? He's like, yeah. I was like, crazy. He's like, all right. Well, hey, let me know if you need anything. Cool. Didn't think anything of it. Well, this guy jumps out, and he's like um, an older gentleman. And I'm thinking, like, you know what? I'm not even going to trade information with him. I'm just going to give him a pass. You know, I feel bad. He's, he starts going off on me. You just hit my car. I said, what? He said, yeah, you tried to ram me up and push me right into that road. I said, what? I thought it, I, I thought it was on like a hidden camera show. I said, no, no, sir. You, you rolled back on that clutch. Oh, no, I didn't. And he's blankety blank and this and that. I was like, oh, my gosh. So he pulls up off onto the hill. And then I pull up. Cops come. and So he's just telling his story. And then his, his wife gets out. And they're just trying to have a field day here. And I, he's just going on. And I'm just sitting there just waiting for my turn to talk. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And so... And he's still like yelling stuff. Where are you from? I said, well, I'm originally from Ohio, but we moved here. You should go back there. <laughs> I said, no, we're going to stay here for a bit. I, I was seriously just talking like that. And uh, he was that upset. And he didn't even do anything to his car either. So <laughs> the police officer comes over to me and he, well, he's saying this and you were behind him or whatever. And I was like, and then I was like, I got a witness. He goes, what do you mean you got a witness? I said, yeah, my FedEx driver was driving by. He saw the whole thing. He pulled up next to me. He saw the whole thing. He goes, you got a witness? I said, I got a witness. He goes, well, that makes a huge difference. Call him. We tried to call him there. Call him. If he'll write up a statement for you, that changes everything. Hey. We have a more sure witness right here, baby. It doesn't matter if you walked with Jesus or not. This right here is just the same as he be here. Why? Because he lives in us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You have a more sure word than one that walked with Jesus during his time. And so the law is fulfilled by faith. It hasn't been done away with. It was fulfilled by Jesus. Well, guess what? Justice is the Lord's. Jesus is our witness. When we receive him and we mess up, there's a witness. His name is Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. He's at the right hand of the Father, uh, interceding for us all the time. And so... <laughs> The law would have been, well, because you were behind him, you're sighted. But I had a witness. And see, that's what the Lord Jesus is, and that's what this is. It confirms the word that's written on the hearts of believers. So that we don't, we're not condemned with the world. But when conviction comes, when we're, when we're devoted to this, and we're reading this, and it's like, 
ooh, yeah, I need to change this in my life. Why? Because I have a witness here. And, and the law's coming against me. Jesus fulfilled it for me. What do I do with this? Well, he's interceding for me. I confess. And I ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name. I don't deny it. I confess. And what's the word say? The word says that if you confess, he is just to forgive you from sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So not only does he forgive, but he removes the thing that has attached itself to you. Let me tell you something in here tonight. Do you know why believers are apprehensive to go boldly into the throne room of grace and let our advocate, Jesus, intercede for us just by confessing? Sin separates us from God. He never leaves nor forsakes us. It's just like in the garden. When they sinned, they felt that separation. And they wanted to hide because they felt the separation. Sin still does the same thing. And if you don't get rid of it, you start to feel what Paul says, your faith can start to become shipwrecked where you're far removed and you can't go to where you're supposed to be going. Don't do things that are going to shipwreck your faith because you'll get hung up on that rock and that's it. So what do we do with that? We don't reason with sin. We identify it. We let the conviction of our hearts deal with us. And we plead the blood. We say, Jesus, thank you. Father, I bow my knee to you and I ask you to forgive me in Jesus' mighty name. And you said that if I confess that you would forgive me and that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That means you are not going to deal with that sin for another two years. No, he's wiping it off. But that's faith. You go to him boldly before the throne of grace. Chris, I can't go boldly. I've been dealing with this for about a year and a half, two years now. I feel like I don't have the faith to get to God. Guess what? You have a brother that, get, that can get into agreement with you. You have a pastor here that can get into agreement with you. You have brothers and sisters here. This is what the church is for. Instead of pointing the finger and saying, well, theirs is worse than mine. No. No, we don't do that. No, we say, hey, I'm struggling and I don't want it. And I know what the word says, but man, my faith has been so hindered because I feel so much shame and guilt. That's the devil. That's condemnation. You overread the conviction for so long that you got over into the condemning spirit of Satan. And now you're having a hard time approaching the throne of grace boldly, which was bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Go talk to somebody that's not going to belittle you or add condemnation to you, but they're going to say, hey, hey, who knows about this? Okay, let's take care of it. 
And those that are spiritual, they don't. The Bible says if you're spiritual, you, you take that person and you restore them gently. And then not only do you restore them, you reinstate them. How can you reinstate some? The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. How dare a man or a woman of God say you're disqualified when God doesn't even disqualify you from your anointing? Now, there might be a season where you sit out, get restored, but it's not for everybody to know. It's for somebody that is spiritual that acts like Christ Jesus, like the woman caught in adultery. Now, that was out in the open. If somebody could have stoned her, it would have been him. But he covered that with love. And he said, hey, I'm going to remove this stain from you. They certainly couldn't condemn you. And I don't either. Don't go and sin anymore. Do you think she went and sinned anymore? I don't. I don't think she did. I think that being there, stripped naked in front of a mom, people that know her, because they were spying on her, they had to know her, pulled her out of the house, took her before Jesus. And it wasn't even, it didn't even have everything to do with her. They wanted to check and see what he was going to do. And he removed that from her. He said, I don't condemn you for that. I'm, I'm giving you a pass. And if anybody could, it was him. If you guys want to start playing, you can. You can. Here's, here's what I want. I want you to understand tonight. Where sin abounds, grace abounds greater. God's grace. Here, this woman was in abundance of sin, caught in the act of adultery. Uh, The woman at the well, five husbands, and now a boyfriend, live-in boyfriend? And he said, hey, he didn't, he, he, he didn't uh, run and expose her. He didn't condemn her. In fact, the conversation had to go to a place where she was so excited she ran back to the town where she had been ostracized, put out, couldn't even go to the well with the women when they went. Went by herself because she was so shamed and embarrassed. She didn't fit in. And they all would talk about her and this and that and the other. Hey, that's not a true believer. And if it is, they have some growing up to do. You don't worry about that stuff. Somebody finds out your business and they want to, believe me, they're dealing with stuff themselves. I believe that people are apprehensive to operate and walk in the boldness, the fullness, and the power of Holy Spirit in us and on us to do the works of Jesus because we become sin conscious and are aware of all this lawlessness that's going on and it bothers us. 
it's a contaminant. We do need to shut some things off. Don't ignore it. We need to know when to draw the line. When enough's enough. You know, sometimes just 15 minutes and getting a glimpse and then letting the Holy Spirit tell you what it is is good. Three hours, probably too much. You know what I'm saying? Don't let that suck you in and then because then there's all this stuff that's going on in your head and before you know it Satan's telling you what you did wrong and it's like well how am I any better than that person and this and that no 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 you, you were fine and you're just seeing this stuff and it's getting you worked up to a place where temptation can come that way be careful what you're listening to and what you're watching it's okay to identify issues but then you have to step back and say, okay, now I don't need to know all of that. I don't need to know what a counterfeit bill looks like. If I know what the real looks like, the counterfeit will stick out. We don't have to uh, educate ourselves on satanic religion, the occult, Buddhism, this, that, and the other things. I mean, to be relatable. But I think that people that have come from that place, perhaps maybe that's the infiltration that they have. You know? And it's fun to hear about those stories because, man, when people get removed from some toxic things, it's, it, they're great testimonies and they're fun to listen to. And Courtney and I were really getting into this story of this woman that got out of the occult. But we, we got to a place where we were in it and we were hearing so much stuff that it... It got, we both sensed like, we're done. We don't need to hear anymore. Cut it off. And I don't know why, other than the fact that like, some of that stuff, it's like, it's fascinating at the same time, but it's like, how is that possible? I don't need to know. All I need to know that if Satan or a demon shows up around us, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and they can't have anything to do with my family and in the name of Jesus, out you go. That's it. I don't need to know how you do what you do or this and that. They're, Satan and demons, they're under our feet. His head is bruised, crushed. Jesus did that. Now, we being in Him, walking with Him, guess what? He's under our feet. Satan roams around seeking whom he may devour as a lion, whom he may devour. He can't just be like, oh, that person looks like a good meal today. I'm going to take that Christian out. No, he can't do it. He can only do what we allow him to do. That's why it's so important to know this witness right here this is this is it right here and then coupled with a rightly divided word knowing that we are called to do the same things as Jesus by the power of the Spirit <laughs> he's no match Jesus made a show of him openly that's what I was talking about earlier it's gonna be fun to watch but the Bible also says that we will look and see him at one point and say, wow, he was you? We'll see him in a disgraced state 
that he's in right now. He can't have our families. He can't have our kids. He can't over, he can't prevail against the church. And he's not going to take our generation. God is developing men and women, children. He's developing even elders to be quickened by the power and spirit of God to do what Jesus commissioned us to do. And when those things are in demonstration, the greatest thing that we can do is step out in faith with the word. We don't just wait for the anointing to come all the time, but it's amazing when it comes because it's easy. But I found this to be true. Brother Hagen said this, the more that you will step out in faith to pray for people with the word, put the word on their case by faith, the more that you will do that by faith, the more the anointing will start to show up. And I found that to be very true over the last eight years. And just to take some pressure off, They went everywhere preaching the word, the word working with and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. If you say, hey, Jesus healed your body, I'm going to pray for you. And you pray for them, guess what sign's going to follow? Healing. If a devil starts to manifest with somebody and it's like, oh, he deals with Tourette's or that person deals with schizophrenia or something. No. I think maybe a demon got a hold of that person. In the name of Jesus, you leave this person now. I didn't tell this story earlier. There was a woman that came, and I'm going to make it short. We had a walk-in and um, at the church. We, we, we worked at a big church, and um, we were on staff. I was doing uh, pastoral care. She was worship leader. So we had a walk-in. I always liked interacting with the walk-ins and stuff. So I was like, they would call around the offices to see who's in the office because we did different things on different days and I was in the office. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll meet with, with her. She comes in and it's just drama, 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 drama the whole time. I mean, just, she's just going a million miles an hour and I'm sitting in this room. Well, it's me and a woman, so I had to keep the door cracked open to the inner offices because there was people working in the office and I'm just listening. She's just rambling, rambling, rambling. And I said, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? She said, no, I, you know, I tried to come down one time and get it, and, but, but I really didn't pray in tongues and I don't, I, I didn't really get it, but they said that was okay. And I said, that's not okay. Like I, it, it ticked me off. I said, no, that's not okay. That's half your problem. Yeah. You need to be praying in the Spirit over some of this drama. Yeah. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And so I said, stand up. She stood up. I said, just put your hands up. She put her hands up. I said, now I'm going to pray. 
and then I'm going to lay hands on you just like Paul did in the book of Acts. And I'm going to pray in my prayer language, and then you, as the utterance comes, you just let it rip. Okay. So I started to pray. She's standing there, and I touch her hand, and she's saying, Thank you, Jesus, for filling me. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me. It was like nails on a chalkboard. I could not get her to stop saying that fast enough. I was like, stop saying that. She's like, what? I was like, stop saying it. Sit down. Just sit down for a moment. So she sits back down. I'm serious. Like, just this boldness will rise up in you sometimes where you're like, you're just, you know, taking command of the situation. I said, just sit down for a moment. And I'm like, but inside, I'm like, Lord, I need help, you know? So I said, let me just get a drink of water. <laughs> it's like Sandy Lyle in that one movie. It's not a good movie, but... <clears throat> As you can see, this is a very complex case here. It was. Just need to get a little drink of water here. I turn over, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me, you know? And I'm like... But on a serious note, I, 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 she was sitting there, and I said... Lord, what is it? What is this? What is it, Lord? What is it? Now, we're going on three hours. When I said I was going to make a longer story short, I am. Two and a half hours. And, and I'm like, Lord, what is it? I, I couldn't leave her in that state. Something was there. And a word of knowledge came. And this is what I heard in my heart. I've never heard an audible voice, by the way. So you just hear it in my heart. It's right here. And this is what I heard. The spirit of religion. The spirit of religion. And I knew I heard the Lord. And I said, I said, I got it. Get up. She stood up. I said, put your hands up. I'm gonna pray for you. I said, you foul spirit of religion, in the name of Jesus, I command you because she was born again, to come off of her. I didn't say come out. I said, come off. Come off of her now. And she was like this, right? She was like this. And I just touched her hand. And she starts She starts wailing. Just all the way down under her hands and knees. And I was like, thank God for demonstrations of men that have gone before us. Now, I listened to Brother Hagen. I never met him. But I listened to him say, tell this, uh, I've listened to his teaching so much, but he said one time he had to speak to uh, a demon twice. And so I remembered that in that moment. And I thought, well, I'll just do what Brother Hagin did. And I, I leaned down, I put my hand on the back of her neck and on her shoulder, and I said, I said, you're going to have to go in Jesus' name. Boom, done. She stopped. And she goes like this. I, I have to illustrate it. It's, even if this is weird. But this is what she did, okay? Because she was all just... And then all of a sudden it was like... On that second time, it was like, boom, done. And then she goes like this. This slow. I'm just, I'm just so tired. And I was like this. Well, just lay down there on the floor. Just like that. It's like, what, what's your problem, man? Why do you have such an attitude? I don't know. I was dealing with the enemy. 
I said, just lay down there on the floor. She laid down on the floor. And, I mean, the Lord just really hit her. She was laying down there on the floor. And so I had to go to the restroom really bad. So I walked out and then went past the office. And a guy named Zach was working there and two other girls were working in the office. And there was a restroom. And I went in and I came out and I'm just, I'm like, wow, praise the Lord, you know, and everything. I'm not even paying attention to what's going on. And I came out, and the door was still cracked, and I, I kind of look over exact, like this, and he's like this. Is everything all right in there? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, she's just, the Lord's just doing with some things. She's good. He's like, okay. And as I started to approach the door, I stopped. I was just giving her some time. And I heard her weeping. God is so good. And then I heard her start praying in tongues. And she got it. And I just gave her a little bit of time. And I went back in the room. She starts to kind of get up and helped her up and she sat down in the other chair and I said uh, she goes she goes Pastor Chris I, I didn't know what that was but when you spoke to that it started choking me and it didn't want to let me go but then when you spoke to it the second time it came out of me now she said out I told it to come off Either way, it worked. I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> but it left. And I, she said, hey, it left. And I said, yeah, I know. And then you got baptized with the Holy Spirit. I heard you praying in tongues. And she said, yeah. But the whole time I was thinking, thank you, Jesus, for filling me. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> But I mean, her prayer language came out. She got it. Demonstrations. The power of the Holy Spirit. Um, people are apprehensive to go to the Lord because maybe there's a shortcoming in, in a peculiar area in, in your life where you, you, you keep trying to go to the Lord and you don't want the thing happening but you, you find yourself kind of falling back into it and sometimes you just need help you need the prayer of agreement you need, you need hands laid on you and so I'm going to ask them to worship for a few moments and I want us to get into the spirit I, I just focus on the Lord and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for whoever needs prayer now if you've been dealing with an ailment I'm gonna pray for you and the Lord's gonna touch you and he will set you free and here's how you keep your healing here's how you keep your freedom a lot of people will pick it up when they leave 
They'll, they'll, they'll walk out and it'll be waiting for them and they'll pick it right back up when they walk out. And I'm telling you, you don't do that. Here's how you keep your freedom. And when something starts to come and you start to feel that temptation, you say, no. No, you don't. I have been set free, forgiven, and cleansed. And I will not pick this back up. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Leave. Now. In Jesus' name. You do not let that thing talk to you. you the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What is resistance? Cash, stand up for a moment. Stand up for a moment. If I came up to Cash and I was like, now, now you know I'm going to push you. Resist. There's pushback. What is pushback to the enemy? It's the word of God. So when that temptation comes, when that, when that habit comes that you don't want, you don't just let the devil just do this and you're like, this is not resistance. No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to. No, resistance. In the name of Jesus, I have been set free. Out. I will not pick it back up. I bind you in Jesus' name. I belong to the Most High God. You have no place here. And I demand that you leave in Jesus' name. Whom the Son has set free, which is me, is free indeed. You have no place here. Out you go. That's how you keep your healing and freedom. You resist the devil with the word. After all, that's how Jesus resisted when he came to tempt them after his 40-day fast. The enemy will come with a perverted word. He'll use the scripture in a perverse manner. And you'll start to think like, well, well yeah, I didn't think of it that way. You know, then some justification comes in. It's like, well, then you'll fall right back in it. No, 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 no. Think about that. You're going to go back into the thing that you hate because you're justified. What are you listening? Be careful how you hear, Jesus said. No, that's wrong. That's not rightly divided. That's a little perverseness in there. Oh, you won't surely die. Well, no, not physically for a while, but spiritually you will. That's what he does. He tricks us. He tries to trick us. God, did God really say that? I don't, I don't think he said that. Well, he actually knows this. He's smooth. Recognize when the temptation or whatever it is that's trying to come on you to ail you and your walk, to hinder your faith, recognize it. And when you've been set free from it, do not pick it back up. You would have to pick it back up and take it on. And I'll, 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 we'll get into worship here in a moment. But I'll tell you, there have been days in my life. Now, it's been a while, years, decades. Uh, but there comes times where the tempter comes. Yeah. Nope, in the name of Jesus, I will not think like that. No, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' mighty name. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a man of God. I'm a child of God. I'm not thinking like that. Off you go. And it's like, it's quick now. But I can tell you, there's probably been a few days in my mid-20s after I was born again 
I like rededicated. Um, you know, late, later 20s where things would come back. And I'll tell you what, there were days where it felt like I rebuked the devil a hundred times in that day. That he just kept coming. Just kept coming. And all I did was keep rebuking and keep rebuking and keep rebuking. And one time, right after I rededicated my life, right before we got married, this spirit of depression came. And I knew what it was. It was like a cloud. And I was working with somebody uh, from the church on a job. We were getting ready to plan our wedding and go to Bible school. And all this stuff was happening. And God was so good. And I was, I was free and all this stuff. And I was on a ladder. We were doing this roof job. And I can remember on the ladder, depression came to sit on me. And I thought, ooh, I know what this is. I know what this is. It's depression. It just came. And I knew enough. I said, no, you don't. I rededicated my life. I gave my life back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Depression will not live on my body. I do not accept it. I don't receive it in the name of Jesus. Off you go. And I prayed in tongues under my breath. And then it would lift. And then it would want to come back. No, 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 no. Do you know that that took place for two straight weeks every day? That cloud, that depression, that spirit came for two weeks straight. And I resisted for 14 days. 14 days. This was, I'm 43, this was when I was 24, going to be 25, almost 20 years ago. 14 days. And after that 14th day, guess what? Never came back. I think it was worth the two weeks of resisting. Don't give in. God is faithful to His Word. The enemy, He he knows a little bit about your path. Just a little bit. He can see certain things about you and your nature. And He wants to stop you before you even get started. And He wanted to take me back into the place where I had come out of. And the only reason why I was in that place was because of the stupid things I was doing and the way I was living my life and who I was hanging around with. And as soon as I rededicated my life and said, no, I'm I'm selling out to the Lord, all those things, boom, out. He's like, yeah, you're working a lame roof job. You got no future. You don't even have a real job. You're going to Bible school. What? Depression. Hey, spirit of depression, go get him. What are you going to do? You're going to resist that spirit of depression. You're going to risk, resist the enemy. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't take those things back. And this is what happens to people. Is they take it back. Well, I thought I was set free from all that stuff, but it's back. I'm going to have to go back to the doctor. Start all over with this. No. Use the word. This word is medicine to our bones. It's health. And there's no side effects. The side effects are complete freedom. No dry mouth, no headaches. No stiff bones. No leading to another prescription. Complete freedom. Pure.
Hallelujah. Let's worship for a moment. See what the Lord would do. And, uh, and then uh, if anybody needs prayer, I just want to see if the Lord would, would say anything specific. But stand up if you want, sit if you want, but just get into the presence of God. And, and, and don't focus on anybody but the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And be honest with yourself and let the Holy Spirit deal with you. And if you need agreement, if you need hands laid on you, there's no shame. There's no condemnation. When the power of God moves in, I mean, He can take care of it in a moment. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. Yeah.